Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome to Baseball America's College Podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball. Thank you, Dave Slade, and welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm John Manuel. We've got the full roundtable today. Ted Cahill, Mike Lanana, Jim Schoner, in alphabetical order by last name. <laughs> um, guys, you're gonna, we're going to deploy all three of you jokers around the southeast this weekend. Mike will be at the ACC tournament. Ted Cahill will be in Hoover at the Southeastern Conference Tournament. Jim Schoner to Greenville for the SoCon tournament. It's going to be exciting. That's a floor field, right? It is, yeah. First time I'll be there. I'm excited to see it. Jim, that's a really neat ballpark. I haven't been there since Will Middlebrooks was in low class A, <laughs> but it was awesome. I really loved my visit to floor field. And uh, obviously it has some college baseball with the South Carolina Clemson series, but tons to get into. The regular season is over for all but two conferences. We're ready for conference tournaments. And, guys, we just have to go right off the top uh, to the top of the poll, we had a long discussion last night. Well, we should start there before we get into who's in, who's out, yada, yada. But A&M, Mississippi State, Florida, Miami, we really had a big debate. We have these top six teams all have 14 or fewer losses and 40 or more wins. Is it fair to say, Teddy, that any of those six teams could be the national champion? Those six teams have separated themselves a bit should we include LSU in that? Should they just be Florida, or does the whole resume separate those top, top six teams a bit more from the rest of the country? Yeah, you know, I, I know some people, you know, I think I saw Mike Rooney talking about the Elite Six, or he had a better hashtag for it because Rooney comes up with He the, likes hashtags. He does. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure that I buy that, that it's six. I do like LSU in there. I, maybe he wasn't including Texas Tech. I don't know. I didn't scroll back to see where, where he started with that. Uh, but I think LSU and UVA have to be in there for sure um, with the way that both of those teams are playing right now. They, they both had some stretches where they didn't play quite as well, and that's why they don't have 40 wins like, uh, like those other teams do. But I, I, think there's a, I think there's a strong group of 10, if you include South Carolina and Ole Miss even. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you know, and even Vanderbilt, they have 40 wins too. Um, so maybe there's, a, maybe there's a dozen teams. I don't know, but it, it is, it's not a ton, and those six are, I mean, I think those are a clear-cut six. I just think that there are more serious national title contenders outside those six. I think you're right, and there are more than, I think there are more than six. I like the way you put that. Um, that said, we really had a conundrum at the top of the rankings last night. Mississippi State wins the Southeastern Conference's regular season, such as that is, and they specifically in the SEC West finish a game ahead of Texas A&M. We went back and forth on this last night, guys. Uh, Jim, Mike, Teddy, why don't you guys, I'm going to put you on the spot first, Jim. <laughs> what, what was the case for A&M first? Is it, did it basically come down to the fact that they swept Mississippi State? I mean, that's certainly a big part of it. Um, and they're also ahead in the RPI is another one. They're number, um, number four. Official, yeah. They're number four. It's on Warren Nolan. They're number four. Miss State is number 11. We got head-to-head sweep on the road. Um is a pretty big. It's a it's a big a big thing to overlook. Plus, they were ahead coming into the week is the other thing, and they beat a better opponent. Uh, they beat I mean Ole Miss, a top ten team against Arkansas versus Arkansas, who ends its season having lost thirteen in a row. So Yikes. there you go. Um, Probably a team that's happy to have the year end, yes. frankly. And I think so. That's I think those are the two biggest parts: the the head to head and the the the, the opponent um, this week. And the other thing, just for me, is that like these are, you know, our rankings. These aren't standings. Someone, you know, the standings are the standings. I, think, um, I don't know that we necessarily have to be beholden to them. Hmm. Um, not, you know, not strictly anyway. But that's just kind of my thought on it because uh, there's little subjectivity. But and there's also the so, schedules yeah. aren't identical. Yeah, and they're not identical. I mean, A and M's. You know, that's the other thing we talk about. A and M had a much tougher schedule coming down the stretch. They played three straight top ten teams. Arkansas. I mean. Not Arkansas. Miss State had a much uh, 
easier closing run. I think it was Arkansas, Mizzou, and I forget who the other team they played Auburn. was. Auburn, yeah. So I think that was that was really big. And they had, you know, we talked a little bit. They had like A and M has like a little better like top fifty, top hundred record, that kind of stuff. But those were the the the, the main things. So what's fascinating to me. Mike, is it just their overall resumes are pretty similar. Both neither of these yeah. teams had great non-conference schedules. Um, you know, the uh, I, I guess the thing is that we, what we've talked about all year is that Mississippi State probably has the best resume of any team, with the exception of just getting <laughs> rammy cacked yeah. by the Aggies. And at the time after Florida lose that series to LSU, it really did kind of make. Uh, sense to not have the Gators ranked number one. They've lost three series this year. They have a tied series as well. Right. But Mississippi State, against the rest of the country, has the best resume, but it's kind of hard to overlook that sweep. But it was just quite a sweep, too, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was, I mean, Texas A&M, there was a little doubt in that series, and the fact that they did it on the road, too, and just the score. I mean, it was pretty impressive what they did. I mean, for me... Uh, when I looked at it, and I went back and forth before we got on the call last night. I think night. we all did. Yeah. It wasn't definitive for any of us, I don't think. Were you definitive, Teddy? I, I don't think I really went back and forth. I gave it a lot of thought, but I don't think I I don't think I don't ever really varied it gotcha. until the end, ultimately. <laughs> well, you know, which side Teddy was on. But I mean, it was, I mean we had to get kind of granular, it yeah. seemed like. Yeah, it was it was tough, and you know the way that I kind of looked at it is you know a lot of what, what Jim was talking about too, and obviously I looked at the sweep, but you know the last couple of weeks we've had it in this order A and M and then Mississippi State, and I didn't see anything with this past weekend you know super compelling as to why we should jump Mississippi State over them just because Texas A and M had the tougher series, they won their series, right? You know, and Mississippi State, yeah, they they swept Arkansas, but as as we've noted, Arkansas you know Woof. hasn't been doing so hot. Of late, so, so I, you, I think you, you, a couple other stats that are interesting to me. These are the top two offensive teams in the SEC in terms of average on base slugging. Um, Vanderbilt actually leads the SEC in runs scored. I believe I don't have that conference breakdown like in and out of conference. Um, feels like Vanderbilt has been less offensive in general than the other two teams, especially away from home. But they have the most runs scored. But A and M is two, and Mississippi State is four. And then, you know, A&M is right there in the top three in ERA. And in terms of runs allowed, they have the second fewest runs allowed in the Southeastern Conference. So statistically, I think A&M looks like the most balanced team. Now, you're going out to that tournament, Teddy. Obviously, the the, the College Series is is one event. But after the College Series, the SEC tournament is probably the second biggest event in college baseball just because it's so competitive. And there is great atmosphere there most of the time. Um, these top four seeds in the SEC tournament, Mississippi State, South Carolina, A&M, Florida, that's pretty good. That's a murderer's <laughs> row right there of those four teams. Yeah, that's not too bad. Uh, and there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of, you know, there's going to be a lot of scouts there checking out guys uh, for, you know, uh, one of the final times. Um, and, and so it'll be it'll be a good time down there. And, there, I mean, you've got not, not only do we have – you know, these top four teams, but when you look at LSU and Ole Miss and Vanderbilt, all of those teams are theoretically still in the hosting race. And, uh, you know, so they're all trying to, you know, burnish resumes here, pretty much with the exception of, you know, I guess at this point, A&M, Mississippi State, and Florida are probably set on national seeds. South Carolina is probably pretty well set, but they all still have stuff to play for. And, you know, further down, you know, we've got some bubble teams even with Kentucky and Alabama. So and they play each other. Yes. Kentucky and Alabama in the first round, two teams that finished right at 500 in the league. Uh, Kentucky's RPI is in the 50s. Alabama's is in the 60s. And Alabama, yeah. And they didn't finish well either. No. I so mean, they got swept. I mean, that's probably an elimination game. And the team that does win is going to have to do more than win that first game. But that's probably an elimination game. And, and I mean, non like non let's let's talk about that th- those two teams real quick because yeah. those teams are fascinating. First of all, at this time of year, I don't think you can separate it. That Alabama's coaching staff—I mean, coaching for its jobs—they just have a new ballpark there. I think extremely highly of Mitch Gaspard. I like the whole staff there. Um, I like what they've done in Alabama because generally they've been in it more years than most than they haven't. But expectations of the Southeastern Conference are what they are, and there's this talk. I mean, it's, we can't act like it doesn't happen. Getting swept at home by South Carolina was not a good way to end the season for them. That said, they'd won their previous two series against Auburn and Arkansas. I mean, 
it does feel like an elimination game, right? I mean, otherwise, Alabama's regional case is not particularly strong. Their non-conference strength of schedule is at 212. Teams from the SEC with RPIs outside of the top 40 generally don't get at-large bids. So, you know, they have, because of the conference tournament they're going to, they will have the opportunity to burnish their resume. You know, there are... There are plenty of RPI opportunities over the next week for them, right. but they have to take advantage of them, and they cannot afford to go one and out here. If they go one and out, they are done. I, you know, I feel pretty pretty confident in saying that. If you're in the 60s RPI wise from the SEC, you're out. I agree. Even if you're 15 and 15 in the league, yeah. I mean, generally 15 wins in the SEC gets you in, but I, I don't think that's going to be the case for Alabama this year if they. Uh, if they aren't able to do something in the tournament. Kentucky's in a little better situation, but especially because they have a series win against Florida, right. but it's not that much better. And they won the series against Alabama. Granted, it was at home, but they did win yes. that series, so there's a little head-to-head And they beat there. South Carolina. Their RPI is weirdly low. I know why it's weirdly low, but it is weirdly low considering some of the wins they have. I think losing series at Auburn and at home to Arkansas, those things They're not definitely don't help. schedule was not daunting by any respect. And both right. of those South Carolina and Florida series came at home, which, you know, isn't, you know, it, it's good, but it, it's just not as good as if they'd done it on the road. And just, you know, being where they are location-wise, they have some uh, non-conference midweek games that just, you know, don't look good. Even, Austin Peay, Murray State. What, what really did it, it? That home series against Buffalo is uh, an, That's a, a bit one. of an anchor. Um, and that first weekend tournament. Got no respect for the Mac, do you, there, <laughs> Mr. Mac? <laughs> one of my, I one of my best friends from high school played at Buffalo. <laughs> but um, <laughs> sorry, River. Understand. Um, and that first weekend tournament when they went to Wofford, none of yeah. those teams really turned out all that well. Right. Some of those teams could have. That's That one's not really Kentucky's fault. Right, Wofford. Like George Mason's been a regional team in recent vintage. Yeah, yeah you can't predict that George Mason's going to have a 274 RPI year. Yeah. You know, the, you really can't predict 274. But that, those kind of things seem to weigh them down, Jim. I mean, like, yeah. so it feels like the SEC looks very, very top-heavy. Yeah, I was just, I've been thinking about that over the last couple of days. We talked a lot about these you know, strange conference races and all with, you know, mostly in, like, the Pac-12 and all that kind of stuff. The SEC is, as you said, you've got, as Teddy was saying, they've got seven teams that could all argue that they should host, and they may not get another team in. They may not have they a really, two they seed. They don't have really. a... They don't have a two seed. Like, really, even Kentucky or Alabama, if those teams yeah. get in, they're three seeds, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. And, like, whoever loses on uh, tomorrow, whatever that game is, uh, whoever loses that game, Kentucky-Alabama, whoever that is out for me. And then the winner... Is still going to have to win another game or two. I mean, it's just the bottom half of the SEC has turned out to be pretty bad. <laughs> I agree. I mean, we've got what four? I mean, four teams, with losing, four, four teams with losing records. Tennessee went is over five hundred overall, but went nine and twenty-one. I mean, in conference, it's just it's just it's just not it just wasn't very good. I mean. I mean, the ACC is going to get more teams in the region. I think early on, when we talked, you know, we thought the SEC might get nine, ten teams in regionals. That's not going to happen. It I looks like an eight max. Eight is the max. Yeah, I think so. The ACC is probably going to get more, um, and the SEC may only get seven. I mean, if whoever wins the Kentucky-Bama game then goes zero and two in the the, the next phase, uh, they wouldn't get in either. I don't think. Got to give Tennessee so, some props for going to Georgia this weekend. And Georgia had a lot series. to play for. Georgia had a lot. Georgia to play was still for. in it. Absolutely. If they just finished over 500. Yeah, and now, they, you know, now they're two games under, so they've got to go. They'd probably have to win the whole thing. I, sure I would agree. Try the I, math works out. But. And, you know, some some teams play like they want the year to be over. Arkansas. <laughs> Tennessee did not. No, i got to give you, Dave Serrano's in the last year of his contract. There's been a very public situation over there. Tennessee's program hasn't had, what was the last time they went to the regionals? Ten years ago? Nine years ago? Before Todd Raleigh. Uh, so it's been a while. Yeah. I think Rod Delmonico is the last coach took them to regionals. So the fact that they won those last two games, I watched the last game. That was some. That was a, that spoke well of those players and of that coaching staff. And I know the scouts are very happy that they get at least one more look at Nick Senzel in the AC, uh, SEC tournament down in Hoover. And I know Teddy, you're excited to be down there. Mike, you were there last year. Besides the drive being a, I don't know why you drove. I still don't know why you drove. Probably my fault for not planning. Yeah, but that's I, fun. I drove to a lot of places last year. <laughs> you did. Uh, well, what's that atmosphere like? It was your first time there. I mean, what was 
You've been to Omaha. You've been to ACC tournaments. Yeah. How how the SEC tournament compare for you? It was it was right there. You know, for me, I mean, just the the tailgating and the, the fan atmosphere. I mean, it depended on the teams we were playing. Um, you know, obviously certain teams you know drew less of a crowd than others, but. Um, there's certainly no shortage of scouts there and front office personnel. I mean, last year, I mean, I wrote a story about the the four shortstops that were there. You know, with oh, the Martin and, and Dansby and uh, <laughs> that would have actually been a great cover. Yeah, four shortstops <laughs> of the apocalypse. Why did we think of that? It would have been a little dark, maybe. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, but Dansby Dansby Swanson's not apocalyptic in any way. No, he's we got enough deep DA covers. Well, that he got he got a cover for that. Well, yeah. no, I guess not for that. Deep six was good. I, I like that cover line. It's a nautical term. It's shortstops. It's delicious. It's a great line. I, I was very happy with that one. But yeah, no, it felt like uh, you know, it felt like a who's who of, of, of baseball was there. You know, it felt like that was the, the place to be, the place you circle, just in terms of draft talent and, and obviously just the atmosphere. And you know, it almost had kind of like a you know, and it's kind of the case with SEC baseball in general, but it had kind of a football feel just with you know all the the fans out there tailgating and just the the passion and and, and all that. So the I passion I and pageantry, I yeah. guess you could say. Yeah, I guess you could say that. So I I enjoyed the experience. It was a, it was a fun tournament. Um, it was a long tournament. You know, four games. You know, those first few days, but um, it was really hot too. But in general, <laughs> it was a it was a good experience, and it's it's a fun tournament. They do a great job. One uh, other underlying theme from this weekend or this week at the SEC tournament is that this might be the last one in Hoover. Um, right. The contract is up after this year, and the league has been uh, reviewing. They took bids from other cities, and they've they've went out and they've looked at a few of them. Uh, and I guess uh, we'll find out. Maybe I think it's next month when the athletic directors or presidents meet. Um, Sounds like their big candidates are Nashville, Memphis, and Metairie, you know, outside of New Orleans. And, uh, and Hoover. It's the, the right. last time we went through this, they did all of that and then went back to Hoover. So we'll see, we'll see what happens this time, but it does kind of feel like this might be it for Hoover after 18 years. I've always thought that Memphis made sense just because it's a big park. It's uh, easy to fly to. I don't know how many people want to fly to it, um, but uh, it is fairly easy to fly to. But also just that you have a AAA stadium that needs events and a AAA team that needs to retire some debt and will do whatever it can to get the SEC tournament there, get an event in there that they can build on. And plus you have nightlife right outside the ballpark in downtown Memphis. Do they call it downtown or are they uptown like some of these (laughs) places are? Um, Nashville obviously has a new ballpark. But I don't think they're located right where everything else in Nashville is. They're not. Reserve. It's not that far. Okay. But, uh, you know, uh, obviously New Orleans knows how to put on a party, knows how to put on an event. Clearly Hoover does. But, I mean, this, that, that's almost like what the SEC tournament, that's what that ballpark is for now, Hoover Met, is basically yeah. high school baseball and this tournament. I know they play high school football there as well. Um, if, if For me, if it were to move, I would like to see it move to Memphis um, just, just because – I feel like that city would make that an, uh, every bit of the event. You know, when the Cowboys series, when, when, when Rosenblatt was, when the NCAA was extorting money from the, from the city of Omaha for a new ballpark, one of the places that wanted the Cowboys series bad was Memphis. They wanted it bad. That was one of the events they wanted to, to try to poach from other people. And, uh, you know, it's not poaching, I guess, if you're, they're in the SEC footprint, certainly. But uh, I think that one would make some sense. But that's a, a great point to bring up. Durham kind of uh, is trying to become the host of the ACC tournament. This is the second year of a four-year deal. Um, we ha- we're happy about having the ACC tournament here in Durham every it's year. A, it's a deal they didn't just decide to award it to the seventh seed in the tournament. That's right. It's the seventh seed host. Who knew? That would be a Mac thing to do. But uh, oh, I'm, I'm they, Mac. Play, they play uh, at neutral sites now, exclusively a neutral site. It's, a, it's a Missouri Valley thing that with uh, Indiana State this year. Oh. Missouri Valley is the three seed. What about the uh, – where? Who, is it, who plays at Paducah? Is that the Ohio Valley? I think that's the Ohio Valley who plays at Allegiant Park in Paducah, Kentucky. I just like to say Paducah, but I'm pretty sure that's the Ohio Valley Conference. That might be the most fair ballpark in the Ohio Valley Conference, but I digress. We've got uh, Durham. So you started us off. Duke plays its home games in the Durham Bulls Athletic Park. They make the ACC tournament. Jimmer, I guess that's that was a bubble team. Mm-hmm. Again, that what you like to see is a team that notes on the bubble that takes care of its business. And exactly. Duke has done it the last two weeks, finally, <laughs> winning a series at home. In the DBAP, their first series they won in the DBAP in conference play was at home against Florida State. 
and they go on the road and they beat Pitt, um, specifically beating TJ Zoic with a late rally in that game with a down to their last out in the ninth inning, mm-hmm. rallying to beat uh, Pittsburgh. Did Duke do enough to earn itself an NCAA tournament bid by getting in the ACC tournament, or do you think they have to win this playing game against Wake Forest to, to clinch a bid? I think they've done enough. I think they're they're already in uh, for me. I mean, their RPI is up into the 20s now. Uh, let's see if I get where exactly it is. It they're is at 23. 23. So yeah, I mean they're 23. Even if they lose to uh, Georgia or to Wake, they you know they went 14 and 15. So may call it 14 and 16 with an RPI in the 20s and a good finish. They won nine of their last 10. They beat Florida State. They won a series against Clemson, which looks really good now. They're I mean, and they're going to be in. I don't think there's. I would be very. I don't. I don't think there's any way they miss. Frankly, if, I mean, if they say they beat Wake and then, but maybe they go zero and three in pool and in the pool play and get trashed every game, then may I don't know. I even that I think would still be in. I mean, with the way they finished the regular season, they have a pretty good road. Right, they're over five hundred on the road, which is a, a, a little plus. And they have a couple of series wins. So the Cal series doesn't look as good as it used to, but other than that, I mean, they're still, you know, they've won a game against Virginia, they won a game against Miami, won a game against uh, NC State. They're really, they just had the one bad weekend where they got destroyed by North Carolina three straight games. They've really been fine since then. And, so, and since then, they basically yeah. put Justin Bellinger in the lineup. He was mm-hmm. a part-time player before they that. They got their Ivy League rotation going. They got their they got their <laughs> Ivy League rotation. They got three fifth-year seniors, and they put Bellinger in the lineup, and they're passable offensively mm-hmm. now. And now they're they're playing with some confidence too. I mean, uh, Wake Forest is their first-round opponent. We also have two Twitter questions I want to get to that are ACC-related. Feels like Mike, Teddy, Jimmer, like 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 Wake Forest. Uh, they're, they're your home team, Mike. From well, you're, you're from Winston Salem uh, originally. That's true. Yeah. Uh, feels like Wake Forest. Their RPI is only three spots behind Duke's. They edge out North Carolina for the last spot in the ACC tournament by dint of having swept the Tar Heels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still feels like Wake Forest for me has work to do. Thirteen and seventeen in the ACC. Yeah. Doesn't feel like Wake Forest is. Uh, feel, it feels like right now they're bubble in. But losing to Duke in that plan would be uh, mal. That'd be that'd be bad. Yeah. Well, someone asked me about that on Twitter earlier today, actually, and kind of the way I look at it is, you know, they could make it in without a win, but I would strongly encourage them to win. <laughs> yes. On Tuesday, maybe you know, get a couple wins in this tournament. I mean, it's they they are right on the bubble, and I mean, there's certainly some things that you could point to on their resume this year. I mean, obviously. You know, uh, the beating Florida State, that was a nice series win for them. The series the series sweep of North Carolina, while it doesn't look quite as good, maybe. It's crucial. It's still, you know, an important series win for them. And, you know, that they, they've beaten Duke, too. They have a series win against Duke, too. Right. Um, so, uh, and obviously, as we just mentioned, you know, Duke has played well. So, you know, I, I, do think, I do think they would strongly benefit from a win on Tuesday against Duke. I think it's... You know, otherwise it's hard to say with a ton of confidence right now. I think that, you know, they're gonna they're a lock to make it in. Even with a top thirty RPI, I kind of yeah, feel the same way. I feel like historically, generally the the kind of fourteen and sixteen versus thirteen and seventeen. That's like a real dividing line in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Well, just like in terms of bubble teams getting in, hmm. that's generally a really a cutoff. I mean, thirteen and seventeen teams have gotten in, but it's. It gets a lot dicier. That seems to be like the real kind of. So what you wanted is off. to get rained out and have a thirteen and fifteen or thirteen and sixteen, like Georgia Tech and Boston College exactly. or Dukes at fourteen and fifteen got rained out. Um, Teddy, I'll, I'll direct these two Twitter questions to you. Spazaru, Manny uh, Pasaru, Murray Pasaru. I don't know how to pronounce Murray's name, but Murray's a longtime BA uh, listener and huge college baseball fan. Florida State isn't a host. Discuss. That is a team trending in the wrong direction, Teddy. Sometimes. They are. They absolutely are. I don't know um, how Jim is going to come up with hosts this week. Um, <laughs> there aren't 16 but teams that deserve it. If, uh, if you don't give the SEC their seven hosts, which would be unprecedented, um, then somebody has to pick up the slack. And uh, I guess it would still maybe be Florida State. They still have an RPI of 16. They still went 16 and 10 in the ACC. Um, but they are not closing well. And uh, they certainly are not a national seed anymore. And, you know, I don't know. The don't know. So the ACC's hosts seem like Louisville for sure, Miami mm-hmm. for sure. 
Virginia. No one Virginia, is, no. is Virginia for there, sure. Yeah. I, I yeah. say that that's a lock. Who's the fourth most likely? It almost feels at this point. Florida I think State, Clemson, NC State. It comes down to this week for me. Well, I th- I think Clemson. You put at the top of that right now because they beat those two teams. Um, and they, and they beat South Carolina. They beat South Carolina. Their RPI is ten. NC State's is seven. So Clemson has the middle RPI of that group. Uh, they've got the most wins at thirty-eight and eighteen. They have a win against South Carolina. They have wins against uh, North Carolina State and Florida State. You know, I think it's them right now. But if Florida State comes out and does work in Durham, then you know last year they um, they won the whole thing. Yeah. So if they mm-hmm. they do that again, if they just get to the championship game again. They probably pass Clemson back, but right now with the way Florida State's playing, especially on the road, I'm not sure that you can say with any confidence that they're going to emerge from their their pool this week. Right. Um, <laughs> I can't say anything with any confidence in that league except for I I am very confident in Louisville, and Virginia is trending in the right direction, and that, that team that guys, cool, even Connor Jones is even playing isn't even pitching very well. Yeah. Virginia still. Going pretty good. Too. That pool is going to be very interesting because it's Clemson, Virginia, and Louisville, and then one of the play-in winners. So those three teams are, you know, we're going to see how they go at it. Uh, Louisville doesn't really have anything to play for at this point. Virginia maybe is a national seed yeah. bubble right now. I think they are a national seed right now, but they still have that to play for. But the other bu- the other pool has the 4-5 game of Florida State, NC State. Yeah, I was just going to bring that, that up. Is, that is big time. Right. They, they were supposed to play in the regular season yep. three games. Got rained down. Florida State won one. Um, NC State hasn't had Joe O'Donnell since then, no. and they seem extremely banged up on the mound. They did not. And they got nine and a third innings out of their starters this weekend. Still mm-hmm. beat North Carolina two out of three, but feels like the Wolfpack's kind of limping in health-wise, Jim. Exactly. Yeah, I was just gonna bring that game up. Um, yeah, I mean O'Donnell. I feel like you know, every time you know, I've talked to those you know state coaches. I you know hear other people talking to him. It's like they say you know he's throwing a bullpen. He's throwing some bullpens, but he hasn't. Thrown in a game yet? Not I don't since think that's... I don't think they're expecting him back yeah. anymore. I think they used to be expecting him back, but not anymore. But um, I mean, yeah. So that is a, a big loss. I mean, they've. I mean, Corey Wilder had been throwing pretty well until this past weekend. Um, Brian Brown had a kind of a rough outing. Ryan Williamson's been banged up. The uh, you know their number three right. guy. I mean, he looked good when he was on the mound uh, Saturday, but then they had to take him out after three innings. Um, like I said, the one good news on that front was they got Will Gilbert back, and he seemed to throw pretty well the other day. But um, their their uh, main guy out of the bullpen. But yeah, I mean they're they've certainly been banged up on the mound, and yeah, that so that's the f- opening game on Wednesday, NC State and Florida State. That is a very big game for hosting. I mean, as you said, you know they only played one game in the regular season. The other two got rained out. FSU won it. If if uh, NC State wins on Wednesday to get to one and one, to, you know basically so. Split the season series, you know they're ahead in the RPI. FSU does have a better conference record, but if you can negate that head-to-head. I mean, that could be the difference in uh, in being a host or not. So, do we think that this the ACC is going to get four hosts or five hosts? Um, well, I've had it at five. Um, the thing is, I mean, you still have to see all the puzzle pieces fit. You know, fit together with the the conference USA teams. Uh, no. <laughs> That's probably who we should talk about. Yeah, as um, yeah. That was a bad I was weekend. gonna. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't what, how to describe it. What they did, but it was not good. <laughs> they bombed out. They did not play. They pretty much cost themselves uh, any chance to host. Um, I, I think the Fullerton might have cost itself a host. So I mean, you still have to see all uh, these so uh, pieces. Before we together. talk to USA, is Fullerton and Long Beach State now is winner take all in the Big West. Mm-hmm. They both have RPIs that are not great. They're both around 40. I think Fullerton's a 39 and Long Beach is a 42 or 44. Oof, um, Fullerton. But they play each other this weekend, so one of them will, will help their case a little bit. They're both going to end up with a better RPI than the Pac-12 champ. Correct. Is that, <laughs> that is. is that for a hosting spot, even if it says a 2? Uh... I, I'd be possibly. I mean, we do have the the chance. I mean, it's out there that Florida Atlantic is not going to bid to host, and they're the Conference USA regular season champ. Um, so they bids were due Friday, but yeah, they they yeah, did not bid. They did I, not bid. So I they're they're number twenty two in the RPI. So you could argue that if FAU, especially if FAU wins the uh, CUSA tournament, if they kind of double up there, that you so they would be a, a number one that you would have to send on the road. 
So you, I mean, but would the committee want to send them across the country? Is the perhaps the question there? But, but so, so that is a possibility. I mean, I don't think either Long Beach or Fullerton. I mean, one of them would have. I mean, if one of them sweeps the other, then maybe they would get enough RPI traction. But I don't just whoever either of them winning two out of three probably wouldn't give them enough of a bump to get up. You know, maybe into the at best of the mid thirties, which is still not hosting a range. So that may be your best chance is to have FAU out there. Um, that seems like the most likely one. If Florida Atlantic wins the Conference USA tournament after winning the regular season, mm-hmm. I, it feels like they have to. <coughs> excuse me, they have to be a one seed, don't they? I mean, that's a yeah, I mean, number five. I would think so. It's definitely. A, I mean, they're. Yeah, I mean, all their. Just looking across their numbers here, I mean, they're all pretty. I mean, winning top fifty record, a pretty good top hundred record, winning road record. Like I said, if so, if they if they win the conference tournament, they probably get. They're 22 right now. See so if they win this week. If they get up into the teens somewhere, so yeah, that would probably that's probably a a, a good option. Mike, Teddy, in your in your minds, I mean, the ACC and the SEC are the top two conferences this year. I think there's a question. Mm-hmm. What's the third best league this year? Is it the Big 12? Is it the Pac-12? I don't think we think it's the Pac-12. <laughs> Is it Conference USA? I don't mean a harsh on the Pac-12. Yeah. I love that our new hire. Um, Kyle, uh, Kyle Glazer stuck up for the Pac-12 in our in his first meeting today. He's an Arizona State alum and uh, works in SoCal and was sticking up for the Pac. Wrong day to do it. Wrong year to do it. In general, I agree with him. Usually the Pac and the Pac-12 does have a lot of decent teams. Yeah. I don't think it has even a one good team. I think it has some pretty good teams. Yeah. I don't think there's one good team in the Pac-12. I feel like the Big 12 and Conference USA are better. And frankly, I feel like Conference USA at the top is better than the Big 12 for me. Am I wrong? I don't think that anymore. Maybe All before right. this weekend. Maybe before Southern Miss <laughs> got swept by Florida International and Rice got swept by La Tech. I know La Tech's good, but, I mean, that so, was that was the first time Rice had been swept in a conference series since joining Conference USA a decade ago. Oof. Southern Miss lack of health. On the mound, especially since they, they are really they are very banged up. Yeah. At their at their best, they are better than what they are right now. But they are very banged up. Um, I, I at this point, I think it is the Big Twelve. Um, as always, I look at conference strength. I guess by the teams at the top more than the teams at the bottom or in the middle. And Texas Tech is better than anyone else we're talking about here. That's probably true. And Oklahoma State and TCU are solid two and three teams there. The Big Twelve does not have much after that. Uh, West Virginia is number f- the four seed in their conference tournament and probably is not, you know, they're, they're probably done unless they go out and win in Oklahoma City. But I would take Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and TCU over whatever the rest of the country has to offer in terms of top top talent. Yeah, yikes. Texas, 147 in the RPI, 22 and 30 overall. Yikes. Yikes it away. I mean, if I, if I, I think I'm with Teddy. I think Texas Tech is kind of what sways me. Yeah. Do we feel like TCU and Oklahoma State? It feels like all three of those teams probably have a really good shot of hosting a regional. I mean, don't they? Even Oklahoma State uh, at twenty-eight. I don't think Oklahoma State. You don't think does. so? I think they're they're they like, I think they're under five hundred against the top hundred. If I'm remember if I'm remembering they're right, six and eight against the top fifty. I can tell it's, you that. Th- that's not a good one. They are, they are they're thirteen and sixteen against the top hundred. Yeah. So they're but that's that, I don't think they're. But who else gets to have one of these? I mean, <laughs> well, Tulane probably. Uh, Got themselves a host by winning the American this weekend and watching CUSA combust. Um, that, that's, who, that's who wins from Conference USA yes. going down. That's a good Lafayette, point. I think, is the team. That yeah. Is the state of, so last week, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but I know we talked about it in the office, and I know I answered a chat question about it. We were talking about three hosts in Mississippi. Now we're talking about three in Louisiana with Tulane, ULL, and LSU. That is uh, that's a good bit college base. Those are both good college baseball states, Louisiana especially. We have a Conference USA question from Braxton Crisp. I'll tell you what, just one tweet I sent about Marshall got me more followers. <laughs> I did not know that. I know they are Marshall, but I didn't know they were into their baseball. But uh, Braxton wants to know, did Marshall get into the tournament as an at-large? Two seed this week. Louisiana Tech just swept Rice. So we're kind of back on this Conference USA. It does seem, Mike, like Marshall, it's a bit of a bridge too far, maybe with an RPI at 65. But Conference USA, like we're talking about, I mean, to me, I, I guess them versus the Pac-12, I guess I think the Conference USA is better this year. I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah. I didn't expect to say that. 
How many teams in your mind are going to get in out of this league? What are you, what are you feeling out of Conference USA? Yeah, you know, I could I could see. I, I think we had in our in our latest it was four. Jim, you had four out of Conference USA uh, in the tournament. Um, yeah, I believe might have. But yeah. let me double check. Did you have I mean, Tech in there? That's the big question. Yeah, I think yeah. I did. Yeah, if you had Tech, it's four. Yeah, I believe I believe we did, and I and I think that's a that is correct. Four. I think it's a reasonable number for the conference. You know, Marshall, like you're saying, you know, with an RPI of 65, I think they're going to need to make some noise uh, this week. I think they're going to have to you know do some work. Make noise, uh, be boys. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just kind of tough. I mean, it might be it might be a bridge too far, as you said. But I do think, obviously, you look at this conference and, and the top of it, and what these teams have done in comparison with Pac-12, which is led by Utah, as we have said on, on more than one occasion, a, a team that is below 500 overall. You know, certainly, you know, I would say this conference is more deserving of of more more teams in the tournament than the Pac-12 is right now. It's unreal to me. Yeah. I I think. Um, CUSA is set with four right now, and anyone else has to win the tournament, and that includes Marshall. I don't remember. I think we went over this on the podcast last week. I, I don't know what Marshall's best series win is, and right. I think it is now Old Dominion, and that just happened. They also all, they were in position to win the conference if they'd be in. They Old beat Dominion, La Tech as the other one. Uh, yes, they yeah. did beat Louisiana Tech. But if they'd beaten Old Dominion on Sunday to finish a sweep, they win the conference, and that changes things. But they weren't able to finish that out, and they didn't play Rice. They lost to Florida Atlantic, um, and they lost to Southern Miss. You know, I, I just don't see it with an RPI in the 60s. I don't either. And while we and I agree with you, Teddy, usually to d- determine how good a conference is, I like to look at the top and the best teams. Because when it comes to the tournament, that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about the best teams, not the worst. But the RPI doesn't work that way. The RPI counts all the teams. Right. And when you look at Middle Tennessee. UT San Antonio, Western Kentucky, Charlotte, UAB. You have those five teams that are all 127 and below in the RPI. That works against Conference USA. So I definitely think that Rice and Southern Miss fouling the bed, as Jim Callis would have said, uh, does not help the league get regional hosts. And I feel like you know, they're probably not going to have a team host out of what I think is probably the fourth best conference in the country. Uh, that is a bit startling couple other Twitter questions. Um, but I asked this one, why so much love for Bryant from John Smith of WECT, which I believe is a TV station in Wilmington? It is. It is. Why so much love for Bryant? Great record, but they haven't played anyone. I guess he's asking why the Seahawks aren't ranked, and Bryant is. Well, I saw that question uh, myself on Twitter, and I did not respond to it. But we can do so here. The problem with UNC Wilmington is that they just have gone in the tank here uh, of late. And they had been a team that we had looked at pretty seriously for a while, um, but they uh, they, they lost, lost that series Madison. to James Madison, and that kind of did it. Um, they, if they'd won that series, they might have gotten ranked. I, I believe they were. I was looking at them thinking, oh, we can actually do this this week, but then they went out and lost to James Madison, and uh, so they lost in that. They have lost now, or they've won three or four of their last. What is that? Um, nine. Yeah. Um, the thing that kills them for me is their road record. They're 8 and 12, talking about Wilmington. 29 and 3 at home. I mean, they've been great at Brooks Field, but 8 and 12 on the road. And then conversely, that's what Bryant has done. No matter who they're playing, winning away from home is just hard. And they're 29 and 7 away from home, 24 and 6 in true road games. So uh, that is. I also, Hashtag impressive. I mean, the, me. this idea that Bryant didn't play anyone is ridiculous. Um, they just haven't played anybody lately. Right. <laughs> they played a good non-conference schedule for what they are, and they won games. They beat Kentucky. They went out in San Diego. They have not lost back-to-back games all year, first of all, and they have not had a losing weekend except for at Maryland. And, I mean, to me, the fact that they're 41-10 and 10 is loud, not losing back-to-back games is loud. They have, they have several wins. I mean, it's a good overall resume. Wilmington's strength of schedule is better. Yes, their conference is better. Yes, but Brian is doing what you need to do if you're not in one of these conferences. Yeah. They're dominating. They haven't lost a conference series. Wilmington's lost two. If you're in a crap league, destroy that league. Lay waste to that league. And crap is too strong of a word. If you're in a league that's not, not very strong... Lay waste to it, and that's what Brian has done. I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, Todd Treble, Root Todd, asks, 
chance that Vanderbilt would be a national seed if they win the SEC or make it to the finals. I think it's 100% the SEC ch- tournament champion, if it's one of those top seven teams, is going to be a national seed, right? Yeah, I think that would displace uh, South Carolina probably. That would be good enough to do it. Unless you played South Carolina in the championship game, in which case I don't know what they would do. Maybe they'd give them yeah, five national to, seeds. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> tough to make room right now. but We did have our um, veteran Tulane fan, CCBL scout, who just wants to remind us that Tulane is 8-2 and two versus top 25 RPI teams, lost only one series all year, will be a regional host. We agree, Tulane will be a regional host, as we just said. And David McGee asks, what are the chances a team like Nebraska could backdoor its way into hosting with a run in the Big Ten tourney this week? It sounds like Nebraska could have won the, uh, the Big Ten regular season if not for a uh, poorly placed loss. They, um, well, they finished a half game off. Right. So if, um, if, they, uh, if they just won one more game, whether that was you know, in a series that Michigan swept, them in or uh, you know I think they have a loss to Northwestern they didn't sweep that series um, you know they would they would have won uh, and their RPI is the best of any Big Ten team correct so if they go and they win this weekend that RPI is going to come up even more a little bit and maybe they host as a two uh, you know we're talking about trying to find a home for Florida Atlantic uh, maybe they just outright host as a one that I don't know that that's out of the question either uh, but they are going to have to win this weekend. I don't think anything short of uh, at least make the championship game. Nothing else is going to be enough there. i got to give them credit. Since that Michigan sweep, they've won five straight series, four in the conference. you got to think that if there's anything that they kick themselves over, and I'm not trying to kick Northwestern while it's down, but they didn't sweep Northwestern. Most teams in the league did. They did not sweep Northwestern. But the, 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 the Big Ten, very pa- compact at the top. Jim, this seems like it's one of the conference tournaments to watch the most because of the mm-hmm. bubble and the volatility with Minnesota, Nebraska, Ohio State, Michigan. I feel like all four of those teams have a shot at at-large bids. I don't know that there's a scenario where all four of them get in. It feels like it's more like a three-bid league, more likely, than a four. Mm-hmm. Indiana getting swept the last weekend of the year by Nebraska pretty much ended their chances. I know their RPI was already very low, but uh, is that a fair read of the Big Ten? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, like I said, you got four teams with a chance: Minnesota, Nebraska, Ohio State, Michigan. Um, I don't think I'm missing anybody. No, no I mean, I mean, I guess Maryland's kind of uh, on the New fringe. The Terps in. Yeah, they're <laughs> on the fringe. I mean, they finished sixth. That's. Yeah, I mean, it's not great. Um, <laughs> I love yeah. the residual Terp love. You love the. You hey, love. Mike Mike Schwarren's got it going again. I'm happy to see that. But, a little too, uh, little too late. But uh, yeah, I mean, so it's really those four. Um, I mean, so Minnesota, obviously they got the regular season title, but the RPI is 47, so I don't, they don't really have much room to to Maneuver. for mar, you know, for margin of error. And they've lost two of three series. They're not playing exactly. super great right now. So if they, and they, if, are, if, they if they bomb out, they're going to end up with a bad last 15 record. doesn't hurt for Nebraska to have the series, this tournament played at TD. No, it does not. Those are going to be home games. going to be home games. They're going to have a big yeah. uh, home field kind of advantage, even though they're obviously not uh, they don't play there, but... What were there, 18,000 people last time they played the yeah, Big Ten like tournament? Yeah, in the tournament championship game the last time it was there set a record. And I believe we have the other lesson here uh, for Maryland. Don't lose a series to Rutgers at home. Or no. high point. Yeah, but the Rutgers in the league, I mean, that, was a, that, that would stand them out a little bit. If they won that series, they'd be fourth in the league or tied for fourth or fifth in the league. I think they lost to Illinois, too. A little, little, better, little, better, uh, little better one, a uh, little better outlook. Last but not least, guys, I think the, the, the toughest team for anybody to judge in this year's tournament and for the committee to judge is going to be North Carolina. We touched on them earlier. Mike, North Carolina is 15th in the RPI. You saw them win Friday. I think you were there Saturday. Were you there Saturday for their that loss? No. They, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mixed, I mixed it up. I keep forgetting it was a Thursday, Friday, If you Saturday saw Jason series. Morgan pitch, you pretty much saw North Carolina <laughs> I saw, loss. I saw, the, I saw them win 16-4. to four. On, uh, on Friday, and then I saw them lose on Saturday. So this so. team is 14th in the RPI, 15th, I should say, in the RPI. Yeah. Tied for 10th in the ACC, doesn't get in by the tiebreakers, 13 and 17 in the league. Yeah. In, ni- in 2010, they got into the NCAA tournament without making the ACC tournament, but that was an eight-team ACC. I mean, just knowing the rest of the bubble, just just assessing North Carolina as a team, which I think they're, what, third in the, S- in the ACC? In uh, 
in uh, run differential. They're, I think they're in the top 10 in the country yeah. in run differential. What's your, uh, you know, what's your assessment of North Carolina, regional team or not? If I'm on the committee yes. and I'm looking at their resume, despite the, the 15 RPI, I'm not entirely sure how they're at number 15 right now, honestly. I, I look at what they've done over these past couple of months. The, the one series win they have here, unless I'm missing something, Virginia Tech, that's the, the last. Notre Dame. Notre Virginia Dame, Tech and Notre Dame. Notre Dame. That's, I don't know. It, they just haven't, what have they done, you know, to deserve it? They've lost a lot of series. They've lost a lot of series. They don't pass the eye test, I don't think. I mean, I think they do. I think you see them too much to, to <laughs> yeah, judge maybe. them against other bubble teams. I think if you went out and you watched the Big Ten bubble teams that we were just talking about, you'd find that North Carolina does not look appreciably worse than, than those Big Ten bubble teams or Pac-12 bubble teams or whoever. Bubble teams don't pass eye tests. That's why they're bubble teams. That's a good, that's a good yeah, call. That's true. But... I would say that physically, North Carolina off the bus does not pass <laughs> the eye test. I mean, when everyone virtually in the lineup stands under six feet tall. I mean, when you look at them line up, and you're like, wow, the most impressive guy is number 32. And then, oh, that's Brian Gaines. That's <laughs> the coach. He's the most impressive-looking guy in the uniform. Props to, to, to Coach Gaines <laughs> and undergraduate assistant coach Cody Stubbs, yeah. who lost his eligibility three years ago. They could use his bat. But those are the guys <laughs> who look the best in the uniform. I mean, I think North Carolina, yeah. you know, uh, the crazy thing, like, I know this is going to be – should this be a factor, Teddy, that North Carolina's Pythagorean record, their run differential – that by run differential, you'd expect them to be 22 and 8 in the ACC, and instead they're 13 and 17. They have like the worst, quote unquote, like analytically, you look at the analytics in the major leagues, they would say they have the worst luck of any team in the country. They're minus nine. If the goal of the tournament were to put the 64 best teams in the field, you would put North Carolina in. The goal of the tournament is to reward the 64 teams that played the best this season. I think you ignore the Pythag, um, and I think the goal of the tournament more is to reward teams, not to try and get the 64 best teams in. That's why we award automatic bids to all 31 conferences, no matter how bad your conference is. If you win it, you're in. So in that world, or in that that in that vein, theory, in that philosophy, yeah, I I would say that you ignore the Pythag record. Um, I think it's I think it's like a very down the ballot when you're getting granular, but hopefully in the committee, they are being that granular. Because right. I do think you're that, you have to look for things to separate these teams that are all very similar. I wonder if that helps North Carolina's cause. I don't think, I think I agree with you that in terms of what they actually did and how you're trying to treat the tournament, you're trying to reward the teams that have the best resumes. I will say the teams that have this negative uh, luck relative to their run differential include a lot of teams that had bad years, <laughs> like Auburn, you know, but I don't think of Auburn as a regional team. Fullerton is top, is down there at the bottom with a, me, a negative six. And I always think of teams that outperform that Pythagorean record as teams that have really good bullpens that are good at winning close games. Fullerton's got a great bullpen. Uh, Sergistad, Pro, Provorov, Hawken, all those guys are going to get drafted. All those guys are interesting. Um, so I would think they would have a better one. Uh, but North Carolina is right down there with Texas and Fullerton and Wagner and Purdue at minus six. It's a motley crew to be. There's nothing that unifies those teams. There's no common thread there that right. can be found. You don't want to be associated with Purdue, generally. So. No, you don't. Um, but I don't mind being associated with Fullerton if I'm one of those teams either. Um, so you're, it sounds like you think they should be out. I generally guess I believe that if you don't make your conference tournament and it's one of these conferences that has a lot of teams in the turn in your tournament, not, not, a, not one of these conferences. You're not a four-team, four team, yeah. Right. Then if you can't make that cutoff, you're not, like, that's it. But having said that, it's very arbitrary that the uh, ACC has 10 teams, where the SEC has 12, right. where the Big Ten has 8. Um, and it's very unfortunate for Carolina that they played all of their ACC games and that other teams did not. Right. Um, so I don't know that... I really want to codify that, but if you're 13 and 17 in your conference and you can't make your conference tournament, I think for me that's bubble out. But having said that, I know that if Carolina misses the tournament, the ACC is just going to expand their tournament like next year. They might There's, do it anyway, but yeah. There is going to be a new ACC tournament format if 
if Carolina misses the tournament for sure, and like you said, I mean, they might do it anyway to avoid situations like this. And honestly, I don't know why the SEC isn't taking all 14 teams to its tournament. Right. I mean, they What's can, the difference, 12 they, and 14? Right. They can figure out a way to make that work. I don't know what way that is, but they can figure out a way to make that work. Here, here's a question for you, Jim, as we try to wrap this up. And, and you guys obviously can chime in. Who, which bubble team, who has a better resume, North Carolina or, say, Washington? And why is Washington's RPI 35 spots behind North Carolina? Is it just, is it just the fact that UW, you know, that there's seven teams or eight teams that play Division I basketball in the Pacific North, baseball in the Pacific Northwest? I think it's seven. What is it? Oregon, Oregon State, Portland in the state of Oregon. Am I missing somebody? And then the state of Washington is Washington, Wazoo, Gonzaga, Seattle. So you have seven teams in that area, four of whom are in the Pac-12. So your, your non-conference schedule is just so much harder to put together. But how, how, how is UW second in the Pac-12, but 35 spots behind a team that's tied for 10th in the Atlantic Coast Conference? Well, before, before you get to that, Jimmer, I just want to point out, sorry to cut you off, that um, North Carolina has played 41 games versus the top 100, and Washington has only played 27. Right. So that's where the RPI difference is coming. Right. From. Now, but, that, 35, but 35 spots, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, just looking down, I'm just looking down Washington's non-con schedule. It's pretty uh, uninspiring, really. I mean, that's I mean, North Carolina they did play like on paper at, at Baylor and at UC Riverside aren't bad series on yeah, paper. But, yeah, but those are yeah. not top hundred teams. To, no. turned out I don't know. I don't know. They played a home series know. against Pacific and Santa Clara. And I don't know when Washington scheduled that Baylor series, but Baylor was bad last year. They can't. That's true. They cannot have gone into this year thinking that. But they're a Big Twelve good. team, and Baylor's but, um, you know. Yeah. Anyway, they're, 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 they're good at other sports. They have neat uniforms. <laughs> they do. And they yeah. lost the whole, I mean, losing a home series to Wazoo is what killed them. I mean, that just destroyed their RPI. They were in the 30s until they lost two out of three at home to to Washington State. I mean, that. I mean, they they were in a hosting race until then. Now that just destroyed them. Even though obviously they're still they could still win the conference, but they play I mean, Wazoo tomorrow in, in a non-conference midweek. I think not game again. in Yakima. I mean, like neutral site. Yakima game. I guess Yakima, you, yeah, that's where the Yakima Bears used to play. I guess mm. I got to use that stadium for something. So there you go. Got to get mean, that Yakima recruiting base. I didn't know Yakima didn't up. have a minor league team anymore. To move to Hillsborough it used to in, uh, in Oregon. I remember seeing Yakima <laughs> play uh, as a child. Anyway. <laughs> they used to have the, the Y, <laughs> stylized Y as their logo. It wasn't a very exciting logo. Uh, I mean, and the other thing you know, we've talked about a few times is all these, uh, you know, all the ACC teams are just, their RPIs are just, building off each other and so it's none of them are gonna knock each other down really and then for the pack I mean there are bad teams in there I mean got also got uh, uh, UCLA is barely in the top 100 U, um, USC and Washington State are outside the top 100 Stanford's in the 80s Utah's obviously 110 right now it's just so it's, it's just the, the packs just not been in a good RPI Oregon's in the 70s other than Arizona, there's really no one who's a strong who's turned out to have a strong RPI, so it's tough to build one. Um, I'm trying I to mean, look at what the top strength of schedule is in the Pac-12. It appears the answer is UCLA for non-conference schedule. And I bet the number one reason is they played North Carolina to start the year because North Carolina really. non-conference well, they also schedule. Also have uh, Mississippi State in there. It's they only one game, but there's that. But so North Carolina. So the strength of schedule, as rated on WarrenNolan.com, is Georgia one, NC State two, North Carolina three. Um, it's just, you know, it's all ACC and SEC schools. Um, the highest ranked non-ACC or SEC school in strength of schedule is actually Louisiana Lafayette down at 20. So that kind of goes into what you're talking about, Jim, as far as those league schedules feeding off each other. And then the fact that those teams, those two leagues, both have like 750 winning percentages in non-conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's small sample. I can think of three... ACC Pac-12 non-conference series. North Carolina went to UCLA, won two out of three there. Um, Duke played at home against Cal, won two out of three here. And then USC, Wake Forest. Wake Forest went to uh, Los Angeles mm-hmm. and lost two of three to the Trojans. Are there other examples you guys can think of? Those are the only ones I can think of. I've done those a little are, research on that. Those are the only ones I can think of. If you're talking SEC, there's also Mississippi State's sweep of Oregon, right. which is helping nobody. Right. Um, it, it, there's not a lot of inter-conference play. Like you have Arizona played Rice, and they won two of three at Rice. Uh, 
That helps the Pac-12 a bit. And Stanford also lost their series at home to Vanderbilt in another Pac-12 SEC uh, showdown. One other thing about the Pac-12, I mean, this is the, again, it just goes back to the column I wrote. I don't think I was wrong. It just can't be a good year for your league when your flagship programs are down. The programs in the, in the Pac-12 that have won NCAA championships, that have won the College Series, those are your flagships. USC has won 12 national championships. They haven't won since 1998. They haven't won in the 64 team era. But they're still a flagship, and they're under 500. UCLA won in 2013. They're under 500. I thought they were getting going, and they had home series, and they keep losing them. Uh, Arizona just won in 2012. They've won, what, four national championships? Arizona's having a decent year at 33 and 20 overall. That's the highest RPI in the Pac-12. Arizona State's 39th in the RPI. They're, those teams are fourth and third in the Pac-12. Those they're, are somewhat both, flagships. Those both are, are doing okay, but they were supposed to be down this year. These right. Were, these were, those were two teams that were predicted to finish deep down in the conference. Those are, those are coaches with a combined one year of Pac-12 experience coming into this year. Yeah. So, I mean, like Jay Johnson's been in the West, but he's never been in the Pac-12 to my knowledge, and Tracy Smith in his second year at Arizona State. Uh, Stanford is the other one, and if you ask me, underperforming programs in the in the Pac-12, you look at the two private schools, USC and Stanford, and when Vanderbilt is doing what Vanderbilt's doing, and when Rice has done what Rice has historically done, Miami, Miami, you know Stanford, what Stanford has historically done, you know Stanford being a team that goes to regionals every once in a while now, that's bad for the Pac-12. USC being bad for a long time, getting to regionals last year for the first time in a decade. This is why the Pac-12 is down. Period. I don't want to forget about the Ballers, who have two national championships as well. And that's that's the last point. Yeah, they're predicted to be very good, and they just haven't they haven't stayed healthy, and they haven't been able to make up for that. The two Oregon teams are my last point, because this was brought to me by a coach I was talking to this morning. Uh, Oregon State, is a, I know they had significant pitching injuries. Several starters who had shoulder surgery. But Oregon, you know, Oregon kind of seemed like they were starting to rally and make a late run. Jimmer, what's the chances of those two teams? Uh, this is going to hurt Oregonian Josh Norris's heart. But are either of those teams getting in? Uh, the Ducks or the Beavers? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Beavers are still 54 in the RPI, so they theoretically have a chance. Uh, I mean, Oregon did, I mean. They end with UCLA, which is 93rd in the RPI. So yeah, the RPI is going to take a hit, even if they win that series, isn't it? Well, don't, uh, they, don't they pretty much have to sweep that to assured that they finish above 500 in the pack. Um, correct. That's correct. They're one game over 500 right now, so they, they got a sweep to get to 16 and 14. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to pull up the uh, schedule. I mean, we did see last year that, you know, Oregon did uh, rescue itself in the last weekend by sweeping oh. UCLA, but that was, was when UCLA was the number one <laughs> number one team in the country. It was, it was a sub-60 RPI. Like, they had yeah. to go to Stanford. So I guess it's road series. Stanford's RPI is yeah, higher than no, UCLA. It's only going to help you so much. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, I. The other, I mean, so you the don't Beavers, like getting the Schoenard side if you're Oregon. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, mean, like I, I think they're, I, I think they're done. Um, I mean, Oregon State, so yeah, like, and they're in the 50s, so maybe they still have a chance. But um, so they get, who is it? They get this weekend? Oh, UCLA, UCLA, sorry, home um, against UCLA. So I mean, that's not going to help you much. If they sweep it, then maybe they lose. They can get into the 40s. So, but yeah, I mean, the bubble's going to shrink. I mean, they're going to be bid thieves. That's another problem for like for North Carolina, you know, another team. You know, all these bubble teams we talked about, they're gonna, it's gonna, you're gonna, they're gonna be some bids lost. I mean, like well, Utah, for instance, would be a bid thief if it beats Washington. Say, so that's so that's it. So tonight, as we record this Monday, mm-hmm. tonight it's Cal Utah. That's a huge game. Cal's RPI is in the same range that Oregon was yeah. last year. If they win that game, Cal's thirteen and fourteen in the pack, um, which puts them tied for sixth. That puts them in range if they could win at Wazoo, as bad as Wazoo's RPI is. If they were to win that series, I think, especially if they were to sweep that series, which mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm predicting that. Cal doesn't sweep mm-hmm. anybody in the Pac-12. Um, I don't believe they've swept the series in the league. Although they did. Oregon State and UCLA. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't like Cal's chances necessarily. But it feels like Cal still has a chance. But if Utah wins that game, Utah, UW, with three games that are on time curfews in Salt Lake City, three noon starts in Salt Lake City for all those games because the Salt Lake City Bees play at night. 
So they got to have those games over, and I believe it's a four-and-a-half-hour time curfew, which in the West, you never know. Some of those games could go pretty long. The, the reason that Utah's games don't go long is Bill Kinneberg likes his starting pitchers. Jason Rose, uh, you're going to go seven. You're your own middle relief guy. You want to get to my closer who has more walks and strikeouts? What is it, Drackler is his name? All the other coaches in the West call him Dracula. That guy's got more walks and strikeouts, but he's been a pretty effective closer for Utah. But you, if Utah beats Calvinite, you, or even if they don't, yeah, it doesn't Utah U-Dub, basically for the Pac-12 title. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's so crazy. We thought it could happen a month ago. Now it's actually happening, and I'm just I'm beside myself. It's crazy. I remember when the Pac-12 schedule came out, we've got Oregon State playing UCLA this weekend, as, as already mentioned. I thought that was going to be for the yeah. Pac-12 title. We do have a Pac-12 championship series this year. It's just at, in Salt Lake City. I mean, I never would have expected it. And if Utah wins, uh, first off, it would be huge kudos to that group. Second of all, you probably we'd probably have to take one off of our sharing uh, our shared ballparks feature that we did because I got to imagine if they win the Pac-12, Utah's going to build something on campus. I mean, that it's the kind of thing that you need if you're a program like that to rally people to raise money for a program like that. So it would mean more than just going to the regionals this year for Utah would mean it would have long-term ramifications for that program. And uh, I guess the, you know, the other part of this is Arizona State, I guess Mike could still sweep the USC and, and, and win the pack somehow. But, I mean, no, I, got, I think that is not possible. They'd, they'd be 18-12, and 12, so you'd have to have Utah lose tonight. But Utah and, beat could they beat Arizona State, State head-to-head? Yeah, yeah, and I believe Utah did, you dub did as, well? as well. Well, then there you go. You, but I, I think if they're tied for the league, it would just certainly help Arizona that State's would, chances. Yeah, that would be, that'd be huge for their chances. They wouldn't get the they'd probably, auto bid. They'd probably be a host. They wouldn't get the auto bid, but they'd probably be a host, wouldn't Quite they, Quite possibly, yeah. If they were to tie for first in the mm-hmm. Pac-12 regular season. Um, so, gut feel. I'll go around the table, Mike. How many Pac-12 teams are going to get in? Oh, man. Putting you on the spot. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, well, in the Anna side, like, man, I got it. Yeah, I, you know, I'm use not, a Cahill side. We'll I'm, have a, 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 three, a trifecta. I'm not, I'm not too enthusiastic. Maybe three tops. I three don't know. tops. Maybe I don't know. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to have. I wouldn't want to bring that many teams from this conference into the tournament. Honestly, I mean, it's just been. It's been one of those conferences that's kind of like a like a car accident where you can't look away. You know? That's how I feel about that's it. That's kind of what it is. And it's just, I don't know, maybe three or four, but I'm not enthusiastic about it. I just can't get over, Jimmer, that the number 10 team in RPI in this league is leading this league. Yeah. Gut, gut feel, how many, how many uh, I Pac-12 will, teams? I will say three. I think the Arizona schools and obviously the winner of Utah-Washington. I think the loser of Utah-Washington does not get in. Which obviously Utah wouldn't. I don't think. I mean, Washington is fifty, so if they lose to a team that's outside the top hundred, they're going to drop into the mid fifties. They'd have thirteen and they conference may, losses at that point. Yeah, they, so they. I, I don't think they would get in. Um, and I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to pick the Oregon schools to get in. So I will say three. Teddy, what do you, what's your gut feel? I'm saying four. Uh, the Arizona schools are going to get in. That obviously the championship winner gets in. And between Oregon State and Cal, somebody picks themselves up and gets in in this last weekend. Somebody has to get into this tournament. We have to get to 64 teams That's somehow. Right. Big thieves. The, um, there are big thieves out there, but I don't think RPI is going – like we've mentioned before, RPI this year, because, because of how skewed to the southeast it is and the fact that not every SEC and ACC team is going to get in, um, there are going to be some strange RPIs, I think, this year in the field. And we've already seen it last year where Oregon gets in with the strange RPI. So I think one of those schools is primed to do that again this year, whether it's Oregon State or Cal. We'll find out this weekend. Uh, and it's going to come down to, to what they do this weekend. I'm with you. I think it's going to be four teams. I don't think there's a fifth. If there were a fifth, like if Oregon State and Cal both had big final weekends, maybe you'd see something crazy and see five. But I, I think – I think you're right. I think the committee's going to get in that room and see how lopsided. If they don't already see how lopsided I'm sure they know. And this right. is the four RPI team or four RPI conference. This is number four. Right. So I mean, and the Big Twelve is three, and there are three bids from that league unless somebody goes out and goes crazy in Oak City. So I mean, somebody's got to get into this tournament. I mean, like the American Conference has a two bid league. The yeah. Sun Belt max a two bid league, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to get to sixty four. It can't be 
the ACC gets 11, you know, are we going to see 11 ACC teams? I, I don't think so. I mean, so, so somebody's got to get in. So, uh, you know, to me, like the Big West, you're going to have to take three from the Big West. I think that's locked at this right. point. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, think like, all three of those teams are locked in, but I don't think there's a fourth in the Big West. So the Big Ten and the Pac-12, somebody's going to get in with an RPI that people are going to look askance at. That's right. That's exactly right. And then last but not least, Coastal Carolina, they're a regional host, aren't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, like almost a lot, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, what are they in the... 40 and 15, they're fourth, 14th in the RPI. Yeah, I mean... They won their league by seven If they games. win two and Q in the Big South tournament, then maybe not, but... I think I, it's, what it, I like about Coastal is number four in the non-conference strength of schedule. Yeah. I know that that's part geography, but they don't shy from those games. I give them credit for always playing those non-conference They, all, they always games. play them at home because of their tournament, but they also always do get really, really good teams to come to Myrtle. They did go to North Carolina. They did go to Georgia Tech for a weekend. Obviously, didn't go very well for yeah. them at Georgia Tech. I thought that was going to Yeah, They've, uh, they've done one as a big – for them, for you know, a mid-major, they've done what you have to do to be a host – yeah, they have um, a win at Wilmington. A, that, mm-hmm. that, that's one of the three games that Wilmington has not won. Um, but, yeah, so wide-ranging discussion today. We had good questions on Twitter. I thought three more interactions. Uh, that's about it. That's all my questions. The last guy just made a ludicrous joke. So. <laughs> Guys, anything else you guys wanted to say? Or should we, 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 we'll wrap up and send Teddy on his way to get your plane. Teddy, have a great week. I'll see you next week. Jimmer, I'll see you tomorrow. But after that, have a great week. Mike's stuck with me all week. so I'll be around. <laughs> and the rest of you guys are going to get uh, some doses of me, uh, whether you like it or not. So for the Funky Fresh College crew of Teddy, Mike, and Jimmer, I'm John. We'll see you next week on the Baseball America College Podcast. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.